Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. It is episode eight of Snobcast, and I am, of course, joined by my lovely, talented, and way better looking than me co-host, Chase. Oh, say what's up. Uh, what's up? That's very true. Uh, I agree with all of what she said. It is very true, all of it. And I am joined today by two very special guests. First and foremost, one of the most talented writers I have ever had the opportunity to meet, Nadia. Say hello. Hello. Sorry, I had to rename myself when I found I didn't have my pronouns. So Nadia, she, her, hers. Yeah, there you go. And then, of course, the man, the myth, the absolute freaking legend the weekend editor over at Collider.com, Rafael Montamayor. Say hola to everybody out here. Hola. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. it's a. Pl- it's, I've been trying to get you on here since we started doing this thing. I'm so glad to have you here for this particular episode. And this today we're going to talk about two topics, and I, the two topics that are going to be a lot of fun. The first one, we're going to talk about movies we're excited about for the Sundance Film Festival occurring January 20th to January 30th, 2022 live and in person from our living rooms because they canceled the uh, in-person part of the festival. Um, and so I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that before we get into the movies that we're excited about. Um, as far as the festival being all online? Yeah, yeah. That's, um, so when you look on the Sundance website, it's really interesting. Literally, they said, despite our very, very best efforts to, you know, get protocol down, to keep everyone safe, yada, 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 because of Miss Lady Omicron, Ever since they they literally sent this out Wednesday, they're like, it's all online. Everyone cancel your flights, you know. So I, I mean, personally, I'm fine with it. I get to be home. I get to multitask. Um, wear my sloth pajamas. I'm I'm good with it, honestly. But I'm also a homebody. Um, and the festival experience will be missed. I miss um, crawling over people in cramped theaters and all that um but at least I don't have to pay for flight tickets so yes yeah and so you're lucky you don't have to share a bed with Roth here I do <laughs> yeah I am both thankful and sad that that's not gonna happen <laughs> those 6 a.m breakfast calls oh um, that's the best. Yes. yeah that, that will be missed that will be missed that was our ritual waking yeah, up every the, the daily playlist on the on our way to to, to Park City um honestly I, I i i think i mean it was obviously the right call to make i feel like it's same thing as when south by southwest was the first festival to uh, really be hit by by the pandemic last year uh they just took forever to make the call when they probably should have done it earlier uh mm-hmm. just the fact that with all these festivals they take so long to even say if they're gonna do something in person and by the time they confirm they're doing something in person like all the prices skyrocketed and then oh no like two weeks later no we're not doing it anymore so like what the hell but um i mean it, yeah like Jai said like it's it's way easier to to be at home uh during the festival uh if you can manage to like make the time for it i am really bad at making the time for just festival coverage yeah. uh, i just say like oh yeah I, I, I mean i'm at home i can do it later and I just never do and then I get, <laughs> it gets complicated and also for me at least the being at home is more difficult because the the time zone differences so most a lot of these movies only play once and they play in mountain time so it's at like three four in the morning my time so that's gonna be a, a nightmare I will say to their credit, for all the all the indecision that South by Southwest had, they nailed it. And they actually nailed their virtual experience. I mean, you could literally watch any movie you wanted at any time. And that's what's useful for somebody like yourself, who is in a completely different time zone. You can watch it at, in the afternoon and you don't have to worry about it. I saw so many great movies at South by Southwest and Tribeca. They both nailed that experience. And I hope 
in the future or even this year that Sundance moves towards that, where it's like, here's a library of really cool stuff. Go watch it. Enjoy. If you want an interview, reach out to the PR people. That's probably how they should handle it. Not yet. I know this yeah, is your, like yeah. The- uh, oh, the, the, the platform because Sundance was the first one that that, that did the, the all online section uh, last year, and I feel like the platform itself was really, really well made, and, and it was really easy to access, and it, it never really broke, at least for me. But like you say, it's mostly like the the it's still like a mix of both. They're trying to be easier to access for people, but they're still like oh. This is Sunday, so we have to make it at least a little bit difficult for everyone, just so you feel like you're in Park City. With like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They always have to make it difficult on you, don't they? That's just the, 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 the lovely part of Sundance is that they make the everything Sundance difficult. Way. <laughs> <laughs> always has to something that goes wrong. <laughs> yes, that's true. Nadia, I know this is your first time. How are you feeling? Going to be able to attend the Sundance Film Festival? Are you excited about what you're seeing from the movies? Um, I'm excited mostly about um, what they're called right now. Oh my God, uh, the foreign films. They yeah, they look like they're going to be great, and I I like the inclusivity. I'm a little sad that some of the numbers teetered downwards for BIPOC directors and BIPOC movie creators and for some of the LGBTQ movie creators. But that kind of shows a reflection in the film industry, right? That we're still working to gain access and equity because when things hit the market, we're the first ones affected. So I'd agree with you. I I do think that there is a slight reflection because in past years, there's been a ton of representation. And like I said, Roth and Che can both uh, attest to this, that we when we go there, it's, it's usually a smorgasbord of, uh, of pronouns and different cultures all melding. I mean, even, even this, in this group right now, I mean, Rob, you're in Venezuelan Norwegian. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's true. You know, it's just, it's, 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 it's usually very reflective of what's going on in the world. And that's one of the things about that makes Sundance so interesting and such, so different from a lot of the film festivals. A lot of them are very much like, here's a small movie you're never going to see anywhere else. Whereas Sundance is all about like, we want these movies to sell and we want them to play in the theater at the end of the year, at this time of year, because they're going to be awards contenders because they are so good because the quality is so high. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about Sundance is, is that they do that. And, and that being said, let's get to our first topic which is movies that we are excited about for this year. And because I am a gentleman, first and foremost, I'm going to let the ladies go first. And because Nadia is our guest today, she will get to go first and tell us about the lovely movies that she's very excited about. I I told you to pick like three or four. Just go on, do your thing, Nadia. Tell us about what you're psyched for. I was reading through the list and I was was looking at some of the formats and it really does show how crucial it is to be able to explain your movie in two or three sentences to really hit. And one of those that hit me the most was emergency uh, because it kind of goes to the idea of the social structure that we have now where there's this big tragedy, this emergency, but do they call the police? There's a whole group of black and brown students. Do they call the police and have them come out? I'm actually interested to see how that plays out, how it's formatted. And the fact that um, from what I saw, it has a pretty diverse crew that created it. Um, The other ones that I really am excited about are two films that have similar topics, but go again to the political statements of right now, The Janes, which is a documentary on The Janes and how they helped women access uh, abortions at costs that were safe and, and able to help them and call Jane, which is a drama 
a dramatization of that same ideals. And I really think that it shows how they're hitting on this reflection of what we need to look at. I'm really, really excited about those. There's a whole bunch of others, but those are the ones I'm gonna be front and center online in my uh, lovely pajamas looking at. <laughs> I can't wait to see your coverage from it. I think it's gonna be awesome. And I can't wait to hear you talk about it because anytime that you start talking about topics that you're excited about, it always ends up being one of the best articles that I, that of, our, of our year, honestly. You usually write some really good stuff, Nadia, and I, I look forward to seeing that. And that being said, great choices. I'm not going to be covering those, so those are all you. You do your thing, girl. Get them. Now, that being said, Shay, what you got for me, dog? Hi. So um, for me, it was really difficult, and like Nadia said, um, really important to get a really good tagline down in for your movies because unlike the previous years at Sundance, we don't really have that much, we have even less context going in. Um, just like the, the most minimal summaries of all time, no pictures whatsoever. So um, on that, uh, I, I went with uh, The Worst Person in the World, which is a Norwegian film. It's by the same director as uh, Telma, which is also a, a really interesting movie about this telekinetic young woman coming into her own, that whole kind of thing. Um, and it says it's about four years in the life of Julie, a young woman who navigates the troubled waters of her love life and struggles to find her career path, leading her to take a realistic look at who she really is. Um, I've been hearing a lot about this movie here and there. Me and Will were just talking about it. I'm pretty sure it's already released, um, but it's been getting a lot of hype and I've been hearing a lot of really good things from it. So I thought, you know, might as well check it out. Um, yeah. And I'm like, how can she really be the worst person in the world? Let's it's uh, the director. <laughs> make sure I'm pronouncing this right because you are a resident Norwegian, Ralph. Uh, Joachim Trier. Uh, Joachim. Joachim. Yeah. Okay. I think Nadia already saw the movie. Oh, you did! <laughs> At San Diego oh, Film see. Festival. I'm pretty sure Ralph's already seen it. Oh my and god! Yeah, I got it. I received a screener from Neon in their lovely packaging of nine thousand screeners in a box. So I've already seen it also. Oh, dang. I'm behind. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get on the bandwagon I mean, here. If you want to win Best Picture and you want to win awards, package your screeners like this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? How's it Put going? Big box and just call it a day. Uh, make it easy for me. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, I thought the movie was okay. I, 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 I think I enjoyed it more than Nadia did, even though she did enjoy it. Uh, mm. Ralph, what did you think of that movie? I know you saw it. Uh, I liked it a lot. I, I saw it right after the like I saw that the second screening at Cannes after the initial uh, wave of uh, hype started and I didn't think it was like the best movie of the year yeah. but I, I, I found it like a really interesting sort of look into like a quarter life crisis basically yeah. and sort of the, the, the that time that period in your life when you feel like uh, your lack of direction is a bad thing and you're like struggling to figure out like maybe I should have like a steady uh, gig or like or, or like a plan in my lap and maybe and you don't really need to and maybe that's okay um wait i know it's a lovely film yeah i uh i enjoyed it very much and i think you just you did nail it it's a quarter life crisis the film uh but it also speaks to contemporary feelings of femininity and what and the importance of both relationships with men as well as relationships with other women and i think that that's something that doesn't get explored as much but you're right it is a very can film very can like French people would probably eat that shit up. 
<laughs> yeah, they certainly did. <laughs> now, what else you got for me, Shay? All right. <laughs> um, the next thing that I chose uh, was Emily the Criminal, which I just happened to like look up. Yes, Will is nodding. I, I just happened to look up because I was trying to look up all the titles on IMDb to kind of get more context. Who are the filmmakers? Um, maybe who are who's acting in it? Um, and I actually did not. Now I'm looking at the producer list. Um, and I'm realizing who is actually in the producer's uh, credits. But yeah, I, I looked it up on IMDb just because I thought the title was literally just cute. And then I was like, Aubrey's in it. So yeah, I'm going to see it. <laughs> Keep up Aubrey's with it. Aubrey's in it, yeah. Every Aubrey, uh, Aubrey Plaza is just like the largest indie darling, largest Sundance darling going on right now. She's very consistent. She's been like, I mean, she hasn't been like necessarily winning Sundance or anything, but last year, was it like even last year or was that two years ago? It was two years ago now. Holy shit, sorry. Um, but yeah, she like she's just been coming out with amazing stuff. Um, shit, now I'm forgetting the the movie that Black I literally- Black Bear. Black <laughs> Bear. Well, to be fair, it's a very generic title, but yes, I got into the trailer. My, my pull quote was in the trailer. And ever since then, Aubrey, Plaza movies have just been doing it for me. So Did I cry going a with that. Bit when I saw that trailer, I cried a lot. <laughs> I cried and, a lot. Oh my god, who was it? It was um, what's his name? Randy. Randy came out to me and he was like, "Congrats on the the poll quote in the trailer." And I'm like, "What the hell are you talking about?" No one ever told me until other people were seeing it, and then yeah, that was Did just I like a. Did I tell you? No. They didn't tell me, they didn't ask me or anything, which is fine. But I mean, I had to figure it out on my own. I had to discover it. Someone had to bring it to me. So that's completely fine. That's um, not bad. But if I end up reviewing this movie, then that's my goal is to get another pull quote <laughs> in another independent Aubrey Plaza movie. <laughs> we got to keep it going. And Consistency then, uh, is the key. Cons- exactly, exactly. Um, and then the last film that I chose, I didn't see too much. And I understand because the programming, it, it might be kind of different this year or some certain um, certain sections of the programs might be a little thinner um, because the pandemic, because COVID, not as many people are coming out with movies. Um, so the midnight section was actually a lot thinner than I thought it was gonna be for this year. Um, but, I, I always like choosing movies that I feel can result in the most like unpredictable twists and circumstances and just whatever I could get from that. So my last choice was Hatching, um, where to how they describe it is while desperately trying to please her demanding mother, a young gymnast discovers a strange egg. She tucks it away and keeps it warm. But when it hatches, what emerges shocks everyone. That's such That's a shit awesome. movie. Yeah. <laughs> The cover is so cute too. There's like it's a shame movie. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. It just sounds like fun. I'm all for it. I'm all for really oh. suspicious egg imagery. Yeah. I honestly just read that when you were reading it and I'm like, yeah, this just sounds right up your alley. That's a great pick. Honestly, <laughs> like for all of the movies that they're offering this year, it sounds like like it might be one of the strangest that are coming out right now because Years previous past, they had a lot of really interesting 
really playful concepts going on, which I don't know if I'm necessarily seeing as much of that this year. Mm. You know, we got more zombie movies. Um, yeah, we got another zombie movie, Final Cut with Raffle Perfect, perfect but, segue. Perfect segue, Raff. We're going to talk about Raff's list, and it has that zombie movie on it. Raff, do your thing, buddy. Well, might as well start with that one since you brought it up. Yes. Um, yeah, so one of my most anticipated movies, which I keep forgetting about, I, I read the, the initial lineup and then I didn't notice until somebody brought it up and I was like, oh, now I need to see that. And then I forgot about it. Now I rediscovered it again. Final Cut by, I forget the Michael Havanovicius. Yeah, Ooh. you pronounce it better than I would have probably. Um, so it's a, it seems they, they don't outright say it in the in the program, but it feels like it seems like a French remake of the Japanese film One Court of the Dead. It is. Which, if you haven't seen it, is on Shudder. is one of the best zombie movies of the decade, I will say. Um, and it's one that's kind of hard to talk about without spoiling like what what makes it so special. But it's basically like a a a, a, a mix between like it's. Not as, as much a zombie film as it is a film about filmmaking. It's about a group of filmmakers who are trying to make a zombie film when bad stuff happens. Uh, and and, and it, it gets really convoluted and, and it's funny as hell. Uh, the original has some really good like zombie effects and it, 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 it has some playful things with the, the, the idea of a zombie movie. But it's also a really a hilarious movie, also a really sweet story about what it takes to make a film and about the collaborative process. So did we need a, a remake of this movie? Probably not, but given that it's not your typical like Hollywood remake, I'm curious to know what they make with it. That's, yeah, I, I've seen one kind of the dead because you made me see it. Uh, you kept telling me to see the damn thing, so I finally saw it, and it it is it is exactly as you described it. It is equal parts hilarious and really interesting spin on the zombie film. I, I agree with you. I can't wait to see uh, what you say about it on you know through the various places that you write. I'll probably check it out uh, if it's if if the times line up, but uh, yeah, it's not on my list. But I, I love that I love that pick. I really do. What else you got for? Yeah, so my going down my list, I also really. I'm hoping to see when you fit when no something in the dirt. Let's start with that one. Uh, something in the dirt is by Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson. Yes, uh, yes. If we interviewed those guys. They are, they are the best. They are a great filmmaker duo. They make yeah. some really weird uh, genre mashups uh, like um, the endless um, synchronicity. Um, Yes, that's the one. Um, those are the, the last two that they did. And they are now going big and they're doing episodes of Moon Knight for Marvel and Disney+. Plus. Uh, so this is your chance to get in on the bandwagon before they go like all big and, and stuff. Um, we, like all of their previous movies, we don't really know a lot about what the movie is. Um, the Sunday description just says that it's two neighbors in LA who witnessed some supernatural events going on and decide, hey, we can make a quick buck and become famous by like documenting it. Uh, but then they discover that it's not as easy as the thing and then there's some weird shit going down. I um, Yeah, other than like, we, I, I don't know what it's about. It probably is not gonna be as simplistic as that description makes it out to be. Uh, we just, that's exactly what I want out of a movie by then. I just, it, it, 
Yeah, I just can't wait to see it. Not knowing anything about their movies is typical for Benson and Moorhead. And we got to interview them for Synchronicity. We met them a year and a half before Synchronicity came out at a film festival because of this guy right here. It's they are the nicest men. Yeah, there you go. Synchronic. Yeah. And, yeah. Synchronic. and they are the nicest freaking guys. I so I, I just looked up because the name sounded familiar when you and yeah no that that is a movie I know they I've seen a couple of their movies actually like uh I I've watched the Endless I watched Spring they're Spring, for, yeah. to to better describe kind of what their whole ordeal is as far as directing as far as subject matter goes um what would you call it Eldritch weird, weird but no what do you call yeah, it for it's sure like cosmic horror is Lovecraftian yeah Lovecraftian yeah. imagery mystery they've also directed uh spring resolution um they were a part of uh films like she dies tomorrow by amy simons um contracted phase two which is also an incredible zombie movie and yeah now i want to see it that sounds fun they're, they're fun directors they are and they're nice guys and that, that that's important to me because if you're not a nice they, person they do everything by themselves mostly in like they're indie stuff they do like they write they direct they they edit it, they shoot it, they do like, almost, and, and they act in most of their movies as well. They do. I love that pick. That's a great pick, Ralph. I love that one. What else you got, man? Because you, you, you're bringing the fire here today. Yeah, I have, uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm only to the, the weird genre stuff and so on. So this is a good place yeah. to pick up like small genre stuff that if you catch them at Sundance, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Uh, one of my favorite discoveries at Sundance, which uh, was um, the uh, Palm Springs, the Andy Samberg movie that uh, everyone spoiled at the moment they walked to that first screening. But still, e even with knowing it was a time loop uh, rom-com, it's, like, it, it's a fantastic movie. And this is where you like, discover those stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm also looking forward to Duo, is the latest film by... Riley Stans, I, I don't know, I probably butchered that name, is the, the guy who did The Art of Self-Defense. And he stars Karen Gillan and Aaron Poe as um, a couple. And uh, Karen Gillan basically um, makes a clone of herself or, 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 or becomes part of a program to make a clone of herself because she's dying. And apparently when she discovered that she is not dying, she has to make that, make that clone disappear because otherwise she's going to take over her life. Uh, so expect some clone fighting shenanigans and some weird genre stuff. And uh, the art of self defense ended up being a really fun movie that is not that is the exact opposite of what their um, like description or or or, or their uh, elevator pitch uh, um, will have you believe in it. So I'm 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 looking forward to it blowing my expectations away with something completely weird. I I love the only thing better than one Karen Gillan is two. Karen Gillan. Yeah. So good, good pick, man. I that's such a weird concept for me. Riley Stearns is, and you did say it right. You know, outside of the fact that you have an accent, but it's not your fault. And we love that accent, anyways. Uh, but yeah, you said it right. And he he's such an interesting filmmaker in what he the way he puts together his characters. And it's funny because he met the the director Jesse. Uh, uh, he met a guy who's directing another movie on your list here, Jesse Eisenberg while making The Art of Self-Defense. And this is the perfect segue to talk about the other movie on your list. The last one I think you have left. What is that? Which you also had on your list, uh, When You Finish Saving the World, is the, I think the directorial debut by Jesse Eisenberg. And um, it's an A24 movie. 
is produced. This is what caught my eye, actually. It's produced by the guy who did Briggs Bear, which is one of my favorite Sundance movies, um, which is about a guy who was part of like a, a cult and he grew up watching these, these, these fake, like this Barney's The Dinosaur Style TV show. And he discovered that the TV show did not exist. It was made by the guy who kidnapped him in, in, in part of this college. It's a weird sort of heartwarming and endearing, but also kind of fucked up comedy. So if that guy is involved, I, I want to know what this movie is. And it is about a mother and a son who are seeking replacements for each other. And what does that mean? I have no idea, but I'm curious to find out. It's Julianne Moore and uh, Timothy Chalamet, right? No, it is not Timothy Chalamet. Uh, Who's the young guy? It is one of the kids, uh, Finn Wolfhard, I believe it is. One of the kids from Stranger. You're right, Finn Wolfhard. That's who it is. Finn Wolfhard. And Alicia Bow is also in it. She's good, too. Yeah, that's a good pick, man. I, it was on my list. I did replace it with something else because I knew you were going to talk about it, and you did so very eloquently, so I appreciate that, Ron. Thank you so much. Uh, my list, let's get started here. Uh, everybody knows who I am as a person, what I like. And I like... I like sappy, I like sad, I like romance, I like that sort of thing. So the first film that I picked out is from the next section, and it's called A Love Song. And A Love Song is about two childhood sweethearts, now both widowed, who share a night by a lake and a mountain. That's, that's it. It's a simple love story about two people who lost somebody important to them. I know it's going to dig deeper into the, that, and I know it's going to dig, dig at the heartstrings of the audience. And the next section always is responsible for bringing some of the most personal stories to Sundance. Um, I can think of several years where I've, you know, the last few years that I've, when I've been, the next section featured things like Premature and uh, Beast Beast, movies that really dig into the heart of a subject and the, into, into the heart of real people uh, just put together in a, in a narrative. And I, I, I think this movie is going to be fantastic and I, I have high hopes for it. Um, I don't know. You guys like the description. What do you think? That movie is so you. Isn't it though? I mean, just <laughs> the title itself. It's yeah. that screams will. It does. It really oh, does. <laughs> something that something that does not scream will, but I'm very excited for as well. Is honk for Jesus, save your soul. Oh my God, yes! I want this movie. It's Sterling K. Brown and Regina King. Uh, are in it, and it's produced by as, uh, by Daniel Kaluuya. Adama Ibo is the director, and it's in an aftermath of a huge scandal. Trinity Childs, the first lady of the prominent Southern Baptist megachurch, attempts to help pastor, her pastor husband re rebuild their congregation. So it's basically a retelling of Tammy Faye Baker's life story. <laughs> um, He's Regina Hall, not Regina King. Regina King, you're right. I knew it was one of the Reginas. They're both brilliant, so, you know. Yeah, they are. They both. You yeah, thank you for the. No, either Regina works. They're they're both great. But Sterling K. Brown, Regina Hall. It looks fantastic. I I love any sort of satirical farcical thing that has to do with sending up religion. So once again, even though it doesn't seem directly like I would be interested in it, I'm very very interested in seeing them tear apart the uh, the foundations of the Baptist Church. Uh, I don't know. That's just me. If I offended someone, I don't care. <laughs> The next one that I had is, uh, and I'm actually seeing this one because they sent it to me. It's a Finnish film called Girl Picture. I'm very excited about this one. And let me tell you about Girl Picture. It is, uh, again, from Finland. So it's a foreign film. Uh, it's about three girls. I'm not going to name them because one of them has two umlauts in her name. And I'm not saying that correctly. Uh, 
they're basically on three separate weekends, which is when the movie takes place, they experience what it feels like to fall in love. Um, and one of them experiences something they've never experienced before. Uh, I won't tell you what, because I, I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but it's a, it looks like it's going to be a really cool exploration of uh, contemporary womanhood, but particularly, uh, you know, exploring those in the early 20s, something, you know, some, some young people stuff that I can't relate to, but I still want to see put together on, on screen, even though I can't relate to it. Because I, I like to watch stories I can't relate to as well as ones that I can. You know what I mean? It's just more fun when you can experience something that's not you, when it's outside of you. And that's especially anything to do with like women. I love to get to, to, to know and, and to understand women better. You know, as a man, I think it's important that we do that. And I don't think a lot of men are willing to do that. Especially not when it's a finished yeah. film that's more than likely going to be in freaking finish. Uh, and then the last one on my list, I picked Palm Trees and Power Lines. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be controversial. It's about a, a young woman and an older man. It's going to be controversial. I can't wait to cover it. And I can't wait to either tear it apart or gently explore the, the subject matter. Either way, it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be interesting. And I think that it's going to be well put together because it wouldn't be at Sundance if it wasn't, right? Yeah. I say that jokingly because we also saw one of the worst movies that Shay and I have ever had the experience of watching together uh, at Sundance. So and they're now making a sequel for or have made a sequel for. You're, you're shitting me. Well, now you have to mention it. I'm talking about the one with Army Hammer. Oh, the other one. Okay, never mind. No, there's no way. <laughs> I know. Hey, I know they made a sequel for the Souvenir. It already came out. Wounds? Yeah, Wounds. Yeah, Wounds. Wait, they're wounds making a too. sequel to Wounds? No, 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 no. They made they made a sequel to the Souvenir, which we hated. I'm having no in it. No one is ever touching that puzzle. Which it's funny because they're still trying to give Army Hammer like a career and all that with Death on the Nile. I'm just like, that's really interesting. After all that came out, like I if feel like was if he wasn't, a, if he wasn't like a six foot four, moderately handsome white man, he wouldn't be getting a second chance. I said it. I said it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, you're right. You're completely right. But isn't it funny that when wounds, some of the stuff that happens is actually foreshadowing like why Army Hammer got in trouble. The stuff with the cell phones and all that, people being suspicious of him, him like being crazy and treating other people like a crazy person and all that. I'm just like, I don't know when that came out. It almost felt like surreal because it was like he was living at the movie somehow. And it was really, it was just like really, really weird. But anyway, but I wanted to bring out bring up about your pick it's it's really interesting because yours is about uh, a relationship between a young woman and an older man i'll read you the exact uh, description here 17 year old leah spends her summers aimlessly tanning with her best friend tiptoeing around her fragile mother and getting started with a group of boys from school the monotony is disrupted by an encounter with tom a man twice her age who promises an alternative to leah's unsatisfying adolescent life mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting, but there was, a, there was also another film. I don't know where it is, but it's also about a young woman who I think uh, is being harassed by someone and then her, her abusers or her harassers um, are like, she, she gets vengeance, but through another person. So it's also kind of following like almost a similar storyline, but it's more extreme. And I'm really interested in that one too any of us can remember what that one was called i'm looking through it right now as we speak to see if i can find it but i can't find it either way 
sounded really interesting too. It almost sounds like very fantastical and she has to choose whether or not like, oh no, it, she's being bullied by a bunch of girls and then the girls are kidnapped. So she has to decide whether or not to side with her kid, side with their kidnapper or save the girls. And that's the, that was the crux of the movie. Oh, let me try and find it. I, I kind of dig that. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> it sounds good, was it? I, I'm trying to find the... Uh, Is it on this list? It should be on the list unless they took it off or something. Like Literally, it. okay. Let me just like word search it. Kidnap. Oh my God, no. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, list. it's called Piggy. I almost That's a Mexican it. film or a Spanish film. Mm-hmm. I almost chose yeah. that one. And I was looking at the, the screenshots and all that. It looked really interesting, but it was definitely, I feel like it's like the, the roided out, like more extreme version of, of your pick. So I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was just interesting. It's in the midnight section. So yes, it probably is. I'm going to see if I can get them to, the, the PR company sent, asked, uh, reached out. So I'm going to see if I can get them to send it to us. Ooh. Okay, good. <laughs> I will send it your direction. Now, Sweet. our other topic that we're going to talk about today Everybody's putting out their top 10 list. Our top 10 list will be out soon for the whole year. I have to compile everybody's points together and get it done. I wanted to talk about the films just outside of the top 10. And Nadia, you're just going to give us some films you really enjoyed this year because I don't think you saw enough to to qualify, but that's okay. We still want you to have some input on this. Uh, We're going to talk about films like 11 through 15, things that would be in your honorable mentions for the best films of the year. Uh, And again, don't worry. Our top 10 will be out soon. It'll just be me talking ridiculously long about great films uh and that being said Nadia what are some films that you thought were like top notch this year that you enjoyed uh, well I do have to say that I didn't watch a lot of films I did go to the film um the San Diego Film Festival and a couple of the other film festivals but I just didn't find I don't know if it was because of what's going on but I just didn't find a lot of films that had a lot of diversity or new topics um, that kind of spoke to me, except for one that I really detested that they said that it was like a female American pie. I didn't feel like it was a female American pie. I felt like plan B was just the perfect film. And had I seen it when I was younger, I think it would have broadened my scope of how you see things because it, it really was just wonderful to see these women so well-written You know, there was no cheap jokes. There was no need to go below the belt line for anything. It didn't need to hurt people. It didn't need to harm people. And it had that beautiful twist that just made everything make sense. It was like a love story that was created for you. So you couldn't deny it. No matter where you stood on the topic, you can't deny that love story. And it just, for me personally, plan B was great. Um, I love that pig. I love that pig, Nadia. It was, it was it was great. I was like watching it and I was dying, laughing the entire time. Um, one of the films that I really wanted to like uh, was Joe Bell. I really, really, really wanted to like because I felt like the storyline was so important, um, the whole topic and everything. But I just couldn't, I feel like, um, I'm gonna call him Marky Mark, but I know that's not his name. <laughs> <laughs> I like that's how I'm gonna see him the rest of his life I feel like he was in his own way like it was just 
he he made himself the center of the film and I really wanted to like that film, but the young actor that was in it was fantastic. Utterly fantastic. Those doe eyes just friggin' incredible. Um, every That's line, of, line of the podcast right there. Marky Mark, yep. <laughs> so, but yeah, great film. And um, you know, the problem is, is that both years have blended so well together that it's kind of like you're thinking back on, was this film released this year? Or was it released last year? Yeah. Um, I had the same thought process. Yeah, it was just kind of like, okay. Um, I think that's, like I said, I watched a lot of films and Plan B really stuck with me and made me laugh. Um, but it's been hard. Even I think the streaming services have really stepped up. Some of those films have been incredible. They really tell stories that you can tell they uh, sought out filmmakers that really hit the mark on a lot of things. So, but I'm hoping with Sundance, we're going to have a great 2022. I, I, I love your picks. And I'll tell you right now, Plan B is a great film. I think it actually is in my top 10 of the year. Uh, and it's not the only Natalie Morales film in that top 10. Um, she's done two movies this year and they're both incredible pieces of cinema. She's, a, she's got a great future as a director. I look forward to more work from her and I love, I love Plan B. It's so damn funny. So damn funny. Great, great choices. Now, I knew you were going to bring it, even if you didn't have a lot of different films to talk about. I knew you were going to bring some heat and you did. Great start to our, our list of films just outside of our top 10. Shay, what do you got for me? See if you can bring that same fire. Crap. Nope, I don't have the fire. <laughs> Straight up. So am I just bringing up my honorable mentions or am I going to go for it? Nah, just give me the uh, give me the stuff that's in uh, like eleven through fifteen on your top uh, your tops of the year because you're gonna give me your top ten and I'm gonna put it towards our list. So. Okay, so I had the same issues as Nadia as I'm sure we all had, where it was just like a mix between what was released last year, what did I see last year, was it released this year, yada yada yada. So I ended up just going through my IMDb ratings list and. There were a couple movies that were actually in my top 10 from last year that just got released this year. So I'm just going to bring those up again. Detention, um, the adaptation of the video game talking about, I, I believe, the White Scare in um, Thailand. Yeah, it, it was a wonderful movie. It is probably one of the best video game adaptations you could probably get your hands on. Zola, I still love to death. Um, it's a wonderful, just hilarious, crazy ass movie about uh, a real life sex worker. She's a stripper, not a sex worker, but kind of industry. Um, it was a lot of fun. The acting was amazing. Um, Riley Keough is great in it. The lead actress is fantastic in it. Uh, Dinner in America just got released this year, but it was one of our heavy hitters of the years past. Um, Cicada, which is an LGBTQ film. Um, it, that one made me cry. It was like, not many romance films can make me cry, but that one really, really hit hard. So if you're looking for any of that, will, um, definitely watch that. And then the last thing I could really name without like crossing into like my top 10 or whatever is Seder, which is a tiny, tiny film that absolutely no one paid attention to. I think because it was, um, it gave off the kind of, uh, impression that it was just going to be about big bad guy in a mask running after people in the woods but in reality 
it's really kind of um, a spiraling found footage documentary mixed with, um, I don't know, it just has all these different elements. It evokes uh, Blair Witch, it evokes the taking of Deborah Logan, which is also one of my, two of my found footages of all time. It feels like when you're watching it, it straight up feels like you're feeling the horror of dementia. And it's just like, it's just a really creepy movie. And it was like, really, it was pretty understated. It had elements of Eggers and all that. And I feel like it was really, really underrated. So I'm going to mention that. And uh, I guess those are my honorable mentions. I knew when that movie came across my desk, I had to send you send it to you. Thank you. I knew it. And it's I was like, like I should have liked it more than I did. Yeah. You were going to like it more than I would. So I'm glad that you loved it because I knew you would. I, I kind of know your taste at this point. Uh, and I, that's a great list. There's some cicada. I did actually go back and rewatch that one. And I also cried. So there you are. It was so, it was so beautiful. It's like, it's legitimately like, it, it's like that film Weekend also about um, a romance between two gay men that hits really, really hard. It talks about the realities of blooming romances more so than your average romance could ever do. Like if you took the new JLo rom-com versus like Weekend or Cicada, like this is the real shit right here. That's where you find the real shit in the real heart. And I just love that stuff. And that's, and that's, that's what I always tell people. I say that the backlash on me for loving romantic comedies. I said the best romantic comedies are literally just a mirror of true relationships. Two people who are flawed that find that find the flaws to be juxtaposed against one another, mm-hmm. um, and that's 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 how it should work. And, and Cicada did a great job of that. I love Zola. Zola friggin' slaps. It's on Showtime right now, also because Showtime has an agreement with A twenty four, so you can watch really awesome A twenty four films like uh, Humans, which is okay, which is pretty pretty good. Uh, Zola and uh, all this other A twenty four excellence uh, on Showtime if you have it. So do it. Because even when we went to Sundance and saw the premiere of Zola, it got really slept on. And I don't understand why. I, really I think it made it. our top 10 of last year. I think I put it in my it, list for my it, top 10 films of last mine, year. Or I, I also had it in my honorable mentions because there were so there were there were so many films from last year and the year before that to compensate for the lack of films for this year. Yeah. So yeah. No, it's true. It's it's totally true. Ralph, what do you got for me? Well, I'm going to highlight two films, one uh, that I'm sure not that many people saw, and another one that I feel like a lot of people slept on. Um, the latter is Malignant, the James oh, Wan horror film. From really? Yes, they, they, that's why I'm bringing it up. <laughs> that movie is one of the most bonkers, just batshit crazy horror films of the past couple of years uh, with incredible uh, creature uh, effects and the best, the single best line delivery of 2021. Uh, yeah, not much to say about it. Just like it, 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 it just brings the same vibe as being a kid walking through Blockbuster and picking out BHA uh, just because the cover looks cool, mm-hmm. and that is basically malignant. Yeah. Oh God, I hated that movie so much, man. Okay, of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> I, I see both of your good points Landon okay so my partner Landon he hated it but Raf, I completely see your your viewpoint and honestly I'd be down to watch it again because it's a popcorn movie it's not oh, yeah. supposed to be like like high art you know hereditary or anything 
and you you don't really see the twist coming and like I agree like I've seen the behind the scenes of like the creature effects the actress is moving her head with the puppet and all that and it's like it's just like a lot of fun I had fun with it um and yeah I have to agree with Roth on this one I wouldn't put it on my best of list but it was fun so you're saying we should do a discord watch party yes oh it's good oh are you in our discord I did I am Ah, there you go. We'll do a Discord watch party of Malignant. We'll re- I'll rewatch it for those purposes. <laughs> see, the thing about Malignant is that I did see the twist coming uh, pretty early on, but it's so out there that like, there's no way that can. They can't do that. They are not going to do it. How do you see the twist coming? How? I don't know. I it was don't so know. random. It was, it was like the I, most I, out of pocket thing. There, there's there's a, a word that I associated with it, but I will tell you later in case anyone is still on the fence about seeing Malignant, and oh, I'm going to spoil it. Right, right, right. The other film that, uh, that, that, that is on all bases just excellent, but not many people saw, is Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0, you... Rise of One at a Time. <laughs> it's an insanely man. long title, and it makes no sense. But yes, yes, I am. It is the fourth film in the rebuild of Evangelion series. Uh, it's a movie series based on a... Uh, animation from the 90s is on uh, Prime Video. And the thing about this movie is that uh, I compared and I wrote uh, recently uh, a, a film, a, a piece about how it is uh, pretty much like Matrix Resurrection, like a lot of what Matrix Resurrections did well, this movie did as well, with the addition that uh, Matrix only had to handle like three films worth of um, fan expectations and 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 theories about this one uh, basically took 26 years worth of um, a TV show, a film, merchandise, comic books, video games, a whole universe outside of what the original did, and both remade the original story in a way that like a lot of uh, legacy sequels are doing these days, like Cobra Kai or um, The Force Awakens, that are just basically doing the same thing in part for a new audience, in part for the old audience, but just adding enough things that is commenting on what came before to the point where it, it, it ends up being like a completely different story that resonates with what came before. And it's, it, it's just like a beautifully told story with incredible animation that really pays off being a fan of this franchise while simultaneously being a big like fuck you to people who are obsessed enough with this to make it profitable to keep making more. My only question, are there giant mechs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I'm good. I'm on board. That's all I need out of Evangelion is giant and mechs. There's also that. There's also that. There's also giant robot fighting giant monster. That's it. <laughs> also, do we have the uh, do we have the theme? Is it there? Certainly not. That's only for the TV show. They never. I, I don't know why they never brought it into the movies. And I'm mad about it's it. It's one of the best anime themes to ever it, exist. It really is. It really is. But the soundtrack is still pretty cool. And the the, okay. the, the, the song that they use for the end credits makes me cry. So there's that. And it's not. It's let me let me point out something to you guys. When 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 Shay and Roth tell you that it makes them cry, it's not easy to make Shay cry at all. At all, she is very difficult to make. It, it's not that easy. Roth, however. Is a gigantic teddy bear baby boy. <laughs> yes, That's a lot. Yes, I am. The yeah, two yeah. things I, I know are going to happen at a film festival with Rafi is he's going to cry once and fall asleep once. 
<laughs> more than once. On more than once. Yes. More than once. <laughs> but at least once. It's just, it has to happen. And it happens every single time, does it not? Every time. Yes. Uh, my list is the most William list that you will ever hear in your life. So uh -huh. I picked out five films. I literally just picked 11 through 15. What's not going to be in my top 10? And I'm going to start with a great little tiny film that no one saw that everybody should see, directed by Chad Hartigan called Little Fish. It's on Hulu now. You guys can check it out. Uh, basically, it's about a couple who fight to stay together when the husband is suffering a memory loss disease that is affecting a lot of the population. Jack O'Connell plays the husband and Olivia Cook, who I am in love with, plays the wife. They are wonderful. It's a great love story about how love can transcend even memory losses and how those memories, how important those memories are, very reminiscent of Eternal Sunshine. But instead of voluntary memory loss, it's involuntary. It's a beautiful film, so wonderfully shot. Um, it's on Hulu now. You guys should check it out. It's a little tiny film. Uh, I love it though. God, I love it so much. It almost made me cry. It's beautiful. Um, the next one I wanted to talk about is Blue Bayou. No one saw this movie. They should have. Blue Bayou is written and directed by I Jesse Chan. It's great, isn't it? I disagree. <laughs> I love it. I hated it. I love it, dude. I love it. It's a great story about a, a Korean-American living in uh, Louisiana who's only known American life, but he moved there when he was very, very young. So he's not technically an American citizen. He gets into some trouble, at least to him getting deported and removed from his family. Alicia Vikander is great in it. I enjoyed the movie. I'm sorry you did not enjoy it, Raf. Uh, happens. It does. Um, but I, I love it. I think it's a really interesting little piece of indie, indie film. And if you if you love the immigrant's story and, and those stories are important to you, I would recommend it that you check it out, obviously. Um, the third movie on my list I picked is called The Fallout. I saw this one at Tribeca. And The Fallout is about a young girl who goes, played by Jenna Ortega, who goes through an emotional experience following a, a tragedy at her school. Um, Maddie Ziegler is also in this. It's a weird cast. I don't understand the cast itself. I, I'm pretty sure that HBO bought the rights for it. So we'll be playing on Max sometime this year in 2022. Um, it's a small film, really is a personal tale about how we deal with tragedy, even at a young age, and how startlingly unaffected we as a society are to gun violence. I just, I think it's such a, it, 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 it holds all its cards right in front of your face and it, all, it puts its heart right on its sleeve, but the whole time you're, you're interested in both, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, it spells everything out for you. It tells you exactly what this movie is about, but the whole time you're like, you're gripped by it. You're gripped by these relationships formulated out of tragedy by this, by this story of overcoming uh, an adversity that you didn't deserve. It's so interesting and so well done. And then the last two I put, that I put on my list were, fun, were more fun. Uh, one of my favorite documentaries of this year is called Bleeding Audio. And it's a documentary about the band, The Matches. If you grew up in the time period that I grew up in, early 2000s, as a teenager, you were probably really into post-hardcore, emo type music. The Matches were one of the weirdest bands to come out of that. They, they didn't fit any particular mold. They didn't take, fit any particular genre in that particular subgenre. One of the cool things about them though is they've had a lasting legacy. Uh, and Bleeding Audio really examines uh, their history. We got a chance to talk to Chelsea Crester, who's the director. She's so fucking cool. If you guys don't know who she is, she's amazing. I can't wait to see what she does next. 
Um, it's just a cool ass movie with great music because you know it's the matches music. Chain Me Freeze a Bop. Always, it's a great freaking movie. Check out Bleeding Audio. It's not it's not available yet, but when it is, check it out. And the very last one, I'm super excited to talk about because I fucking love this movie so much. I saw it twice. Uh, it's called Mark and Mary and some other people. And if you guys haven't seen it, it's a romantic comedy. It's in the contemporary setting, and it's a it's a how do I put this nicely? The couple is interracial. That's what I was going to say. It's an interracial couple in Los Angeles in the modern times. And it really examines what it is to be in your late 20s, early 30s, living in Los Angeles, just trying to make ends meet, but also be in love with this person. Um, they try to do this, this, this modern uh, non-monogamy thing. And you really get to see the affects of that. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen Dinner in America, which if you did, you know how much I enjoyed that. I don't know if you guys enjoyed it, but I fucking adore that movie. It's, it's great, right? Well, Hannah, Hannah, Hannah Marks, who's in the movie at the beginning, she plays uh, the girl at the, uh, the facility that the, the main character works at. Uh, yeah. She, she directed this movie. Really? And we interviewed her for it. She's wonderful. Um, they actually use the same Mac DeMarco song. You're kidding. Kind of woman. Oh my gosh. Is that a dinner in America Easter egg? No, I asked her that. She said that just it just happened that way. The musical (laughs) director for this movie, Mark and Mary and some other people, is actually Patrick Stump. And if you don't know who Patrick Stump is, he's the lead singer and lead uh, lead uh, secondary songwriter for Fallout Boy. So the singer for Fallout Boy put all the music in this film together, including the score. Um, it's a great, do- a great romantic comedy. The two leads are excellent. I had such a damn fun time watching it. And when it comes out to on VOD, you guys should definitely check it out because I, oh, God damn it, I just love a good romantic comedy. And this is one of the best ones I've seen in a long time. 100%. Now, we've talked about our various lists. We've had a good time together, guys. Is there anything else you want to leave our audience with before I get into the goodbyes and the salutations? Ooh. Stay safe, stay indoors. Watch out for Lady Omicron. She's spreading like wildfire. Yeah, she's a slut. Booster. Get your damn booster. Get your booster and wipe your ass. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. All right. Well, I just want, I'm going to take this opportunity to thank my guest. First and foremost, Nadia, thank you so much for being here with us and talking with this group of crazy ass people that I've invited on here today. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me and watch oh. Anchorage. Yes, and watch Anchorage because those guys are fucking so cool. Those guys are so cool. Uh, if you haven't heard the interview with the Anchorage writer, director, and the stars, uh, check it out on our YouTube. It, they're awesome. Nadia did the interview. It's one of the longest interviews we've ever done because they just would, they just enjoyed her company and she enjoyed theirs. It was great. It's a great interview. Um, also, there's a Satoshi Khan documentary, Shay. I don't know if you know this. Where? When? Who? Uh, in my email. It will be in your email in like 10 minutes. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and I expect a full write-up by the end of the day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Read it. Um, and then my second guest, of course, is Raf. Raf, my guy. I miss you, man. I miss you, buddy. I miss you too, man. It's been I a long time, you. man. Of course, buddy. Is there anything you want to say before we let you go? Where can they follow you on the, on the socials if they want to follow you? Uh, just on Twitter, my name, Rafael Motamayor. I'm uh, on Collider, where I work as a news editor. 
I have a couple of interview pieces going up on at Vulture and IndieWire in the coming days. So I'm going to be posting all of that on my Twitter. It's your easiest way to find it. And he's, he's a damn fine writer. A pretty good interviewer. Check out his shit. Thank you. Ross the man. Nadi, where can they follow you if they want to? Uh, they can follow me on Nika Writes on Twitter and then uh, Nika Writes on Instagram. I try to keep up Twitter a little more. I'm really bad at keeping up. I'll just be <laughs> Most of the time I'm like five articles behind and trying to like catch up. So, but I will, I will post everything I can on there. That's, that's definitely me. I'm, I just watched the French Dispatch yesterday. I'll leave it at that. Uh, uh, Shay, what about you, girl? Where can they follow um, my so talented poetry? You can find me and all of my work uh, on Instagram at Limina, so like liminal, but without the L, Limina underscore 1999. And then you could also find me um, at my other Instagram on its underscore just underscore Shay. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> Shay spelled, spelled like chai. Oh, yeah. Uh, like yes, like tea. Uh, she's, she's the shit. She's got some cool art. If you want to commission her to make some art for you, do it because she likes money. Just as much as the rest of us do. Money's good. Money is power, power. She loves money. And of course, you can follow me everywhere uh, uh, at Film Snob Reviews. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Twitch, because we do Twitch. I suck at video games, but I love playing them. We're playing Guardians of the Galaxy right now. It's fucking sick. I want to play that. It's so sick. Uh, check us out there. And of course, my personal... Uh, Twitter, Will, Will, Will Eggisal with a T-G-U-I-Z-A-B-A-L. Make sure you check that out, guys. Be on the lookout for our top 10 of the year. And we actually, I am a maniac and actually ranked all 14 musicals that came out in 2021. And uh, don't shake your head at me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> he disagrees with my list. Don't you? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, see, I, I love musicals, so I ranked all 14 of them from 14 to 1. Spoiler alert, Dear Evan Hansen fucking sucks. Oh, yeah. Everyone it knew sucks. that. Yeah, go. Listen, if you listen to the music by itself, it's cool. It's fine. It's pop songs, whatever. But when you make a movie and you put Amy Adams and Juliet Moore in it and it's not any good, that's unexcusable. Mm-hmm. When you cast a 29-year-old to play a 17-year-old and he looks 45, that's inexcusable. It comes off so duplicitous. It's that so- is the perfect word. The perfect <laughs> word. Duplicitous. It's like the, like the movie. It's like, hi, hello, fellow kids, the movie. Yes. Yes, it is. Hello, fellow kids. And then you have so many younger <laughs> audience, like Catelyn Dever, Amanda Stenberg. They're, they're like more age appropriate to be in this movie. But because, you know, uh, Ben Platt's dad is the fucking producer, he has to be in it. It's bullshit. Whatever. I hate this movie. It's not even the worst one, though. There's another one worse than that. You guys are going to have to watch the list on our YouTube to check that out. Do it! Anyways, this has been the Snobcast. This is episode eight. We, lo- we love all of you, and we'll see you guys next time.